So I'm going to take a slightly different tack here. I, I have gone back and forth with this in my own mind. Like, would I do this kind of trip again? Everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel. And uh, Sam, we're on a river. We are. We're on the Danube to be exact. And where are we docked? We are in Einhartsal, Austria. We were supposed to start our tour in Vilshofen, Germany, but unfortunately, the Danube water levels are actually just too high that that, docked, uh, that dock was not even visible. Um, it was covered with water. So we had to go to Einhartsel, Austria. And so we were transported over here via bus. We boarded the beautiful Ama Viola, which is a river cruise ship. She holds 160-something passengers. We have apparently 155 passengers on board. There were a couple of very last-minute cancellations. Um, she's a beautiful ship. I would say immaculate. Like, I think Disney Cruise Line ships are clean. This ship is immaculate and elegant. What do you think, Brian? Well, I'll give my thoughts on the ship a little later, Sam, but we need to rewind because we skipped way ahead in this adventure. So we arrived into Munich uh, this past Thursday at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, we were greeted by an adventure guide just to kind of give you a sense. We are on an Adventures by Disney trip. Adventures by Disney is the luxury end of touring with uh, with Disney. So they do land-based vacations. They do uh, river cruise vacations. They have the around the world trip with the private jet experience. So the high end of Disney travel, I would say this adventure that we're on is a river cruise for the Christmas markets. Uh, as Sam said, it was supposed to leave out of Vilshofen, Germany, but uh, we had our embarkation port moved on us. Weren't notified about that until after we arrived in Germany. Actually, I think it was uh, late on Thursday evening when we arrived that we got an email from Adventures by Disney that the uh, embarkation port was changing. More on that maybe in a second. But uh, we were put up by Adventures by Disney at the Westin Grand, greeted by Adventures by Disney, not the guides, but uh, by transportation from the airport to get us to the Westin Grand in Munich. Uh, we talked a little bit about our stay in Munich over on our Patreon channel. So we have a, a special feed for our Patreons where we do some bonus content just for them. Uh, so if you want to hear more about what we got up to in Munich for the two days that we were there, you can head over and join our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash dclduo. Uh, but on Saturday around noon. Uh, we were back at the Western Grand uh, for a departure to the ship at 1 p.m. Uh, it was a two and a half hour bus ride. It was supposed to be about a two hour bus ride from the Westin to Vilshofen, but we instead came to Eidelhartzen, Einhartzel, Sam is correcting me. Uh, so arrived at the beautiful Ama Viola. Sam said she is a gorgeous river cruise boat. We'll have some pictures and videos up uh, online so you can see the difference between what a ocean going line looks like and a river cruise looks like. It's basically a very, very long barge. Uh, the front end of the boat, we have all of the common spaces for the most part. So a lounge, uh, the dining room, uh, the main entry and exit way on the back of the boat is a chef's table restaurant that we'll be experiencing later this week. And we'll talk to you about that. Uh, up on the third deck is kind of, you know, promenade area, a pool, which we will not be using. It's probably the size of a hot tub, actually, but we're going to go check it out later just to see what it looks like. Uh, there is somewhere on the ship an exercise center because we have met the 
head trainer on board, although uh, many people have chuckled they are not doing stretching at six o'clock in the morning on this adventure with the head trainer. Uh, but so some common spaces, a small store, uh, that sort of stuff. So the lounge is kind of the hub of the ship. So lots of seating in here. They have food and snacks out throughout the day and the bar. Uh, and then everyone migrates downstairs one level for, for dinner or lunch, uh, depending on the time. And entertainment's also conducted in the lounge. So Anyway, it's kind of the hub of the ship, and that's where we're sitting right now as we record. Uh, when we got here, boarding is much easier than anything you've ever experienced on Disney Cruise Line. We basically walked into the lounge, uh, had some drinks, uh, there were some snacks out uh, circulating, and they brought our luggage on board and took it right into the staterooms. Once all the luggage was on board, I think we waited here for probably 15 to 20 minutes while they got all the luggage off the buses into the staterooms, and they started calling us up essentially floor by floor. Uh, since we're on the third floor, we were first up. I think we were probably fifth or sixth to check in. Basically, we given a key card, they take our picture and our passport information. And then we were guided to our room by uh, one of the staff on board the ship. Uh, our room is lovely, I think, Sam. Yeah, let me just say it's very small. So for those who are used to Disney Cruise Line spacing, um, it's much smaller than that, but it's beautiful. It's very like well decorated. It's very efficient. There is a decent amount of closet space. There's not really any drawer space, but there are, is shelving space in the closet. Um, and the bathroom is tiny, but completely like perfectly efficiently made. Basically, the entire room is very efficient, but it's very small. And we brought too much luggage. Yeah. And the luggage barely fits under the bed, but uh, we, we managed to stow all of our stuff. Most river cruise ships, the rooms will accommodate two, but because Adventures by Disney has partnered with Amman Waterways, these ships have been sort of built to accommodate families. So our room will actually sleep three it has a queen size ish bed, uh, perfectly comfortable and nice. And then there's a chair, which imagine sort of a sleeper pullout couch, but just cut down the middle, uh, uh, maybe even a little bit more than the middle. It's maybe slightly smaller even than a single bed, but um, it's a chair that pulls out, has a you know a thinnish mattress on it, but f- you know fine for Nathan. He's perfectly comfortable in it. And they fold it away during the day so we have a bit more space. Our room does have a small balcony, which you know not all the rooms do. So our room has a small balcony. It's considered both an indoor and outdoor balcony. So there's a uh, balcony space where there's two chairs you can sit outside. And then the space where Nathan's sort of sleeping chair is as another kind of indoor, I think they call it a French balcony or something like that, where you can kind of sit and watch the water go by in the colder months. Um, but the room is lovely. Uh, first evening on board, we had the welcome reception. So the all of the adventure guides come, all of the staff from on board the ship, I should say the officers, heads of department come introduce themselves. And yes, on a river cruise, we have to do a muster drill. So the captain gives his speech. They show how to put on your life preservers, uh, give some safety tips for around the ship, shows you know, where the alarms are, what the muster alarm will sound like, and all of those sorts of things. So is a muster drill. It's in person, but it's held in a lounge with drinks. So that's uh, already a step above what you have to do on Disney Cruise Line these days. Then the adventure guides put on a little sort of show to talk about all the different activities and information and sort of basics of being on the adventure and what we needed to know about. Uh, There's a whole system of getting colored cards in the morning, depending on what excursion you're doing. And then uh, they align those colored cards to the colored paddle of power, they call it, for Adventures by Disney. And that gets you back on your right, correct buses, all that sort of stuff. So anyway, they give you a bunch of basic information and background on ABD. Uh, And then after that, we had a little Oktoberfest celebration. They brought in some musicians to play some Oktoberfest songs and and do some dancing and teach some dancing to folks, which was a lot of fun. It was supposed to be about an hour. It turned out to be about a half hour because of the delays and sort of 
getting us here. The bus is having to come further. Everything was kind of running a little bit behind, but still lovely, lovely little Oktoberfest celebration. Lots of, you know, free beer, wine, champagne circulating the room. Bavarian pretzels since uh, we were supposed to start in Bavaria uh, in Vilshofen. So um, nice little start to the evening. And then Sam, we headed downstairs for dinner. You want to talk a little bit about the dinner situation? Sure. The dining room is self-seated, meaning you select essentially where you want to sit, although the servers will kind of guide you to help you find a table that will accommodate your size party. Um, You can sit just your party or you can sit with another party depending upon the size. The tables, uh, I think the maximum table was like most of them are like four or six. Maybe there's a couple of eight tops. Uh, By the time we got there, um, we actually sat at a six person table, but it ended up just being the three of us. Um, The food was lovely, uh, very, I would say, upscale food. You know, the titles and descriptions might be similar to what you see on Disney Cruise Line, but the quality is, uh, I would say, more fine dining than what Disney Cruising main dining is. It's not, uh, let me be clear, it's not Remy or Enchante. It's not tasting menu food, but it is definitely a finer level of dining. They do have um, some kids food, though. So Nathan had a hamburger. And I think a tomato soup is his starter. Brian and I both had a shrimp cake starter. And then we both actually ordered a fish, a sea bass dish that was lovely. We were so full that we ate some cheese for dessert, but couldn't eat one of like the regular desserts because it was just like so much food. Oh, and wine uh, is included with dinner. So you get, you know, there's a choice of red and a choice of white. Uh, We had white wine. And I will say that our glasses never got even close to half full or half or even close to empty um, because the, I don't know if it's, she's a sommelier, but the wine steward sommelier, whatever her title is, literally came over and was refilling our glasses like every five seconds, including our water glasses. So it's a much smaller, more intimate experience. There is only one dining seating. So everybody's in the dining room at the same time, unless you are... Um, eating at the chef's table, which is, uh, I think, more of a tasting menu experience, as Brian said, we'll, we'll do that later in the experience. Yeah, I got to echo the food was fantastic. I would say the um, the service is top notch um, at Disney Cruise Line level, maybe slightly even above because they have fewer tables that they kind of have to deal with. I'd also say it's fine dining from like the plating and visual perspective of the food is very well done. Uh, I thought it was the food was delicious last night. Uh, breakfast was great this morning. We had lunch we'll talk about in a second. So food has always been good. But your only options for food on board really are that kind of main dining room, the chef's table at dinner. And then they have kind of a called an express version of breakfast and lunch that they serve in the lounge. We've not experienced that. We've just done the a la carte so far. So if we do experience that, we will be sure to let you know. After dinner last night, we did come back up to the lounge. They had some uh, brought in some I would say operatic singers from Salzburg, actually. Uh, And they did some both traditional German songs, uh, Austrian songs, as well as Christmas carols. Of course, they sang Idelweiss, which was just beautiful and lovely. Sam and I had a chance to get up and dance the minuet. Um, They called for some volunteers. Actually, the lovely woman came over and asked if I would dance with her. And I said, no, but I would dance with Samantha. And so she agreed to teach us the minuet together. And so we danced the minuet with uh, another couple. Uh, Actually, there were two couples up there. And so I had a lovely time, lovely evening. Uh, and at that point, things just kind of winded down. Ship kind of winds down at 1030 um, because you're up early for adventure. So with uh, the Adventures by Disney River Cruise, you really have your morning where you you select something or they have the whole ship doing something together.
together. Uh, and then you have your afternoon. And so most days you're kind of picking something to do in the morning or joining the group activity in the morning and then picking something to do in the evening. Uh, maybe there's choices, right? So for instance, uh, this morning we were up at uh, 6.30 uh, to get showered and ready. And we were at breakfast at 7, a nice a la carte breakfast. I had a salmon bagel. Sam had a sort of egg breakfast. And Nathan had some oatmeal and some bacon. Uh, it was all very delicious and hot, fresh. Uh, I thought it was really lovely breakfast. Uh, then we came up to the lounge by about eight to meet the adventure guides. The entire ship was doing the same tour this morning. So we were bussed over to Passau where we were supposed to be docked. That was our first stop after Vilshofen was Passau. Uh, but we were downriver from Passau. So they bussed us over there. It was about a half hour, 45 minute bus ride tops uh, to Passau where we met um, some tour guides who were in period costumes um, and they did a walking tour of Passau. Uh, one of the nice things from the ship is that they brought, um, they have these, uh, you know, assistive listening devices. So they give one to the guide wherever we're going uh, and then we wear one around our neck with headphones. And so as the tour group kind of spreads out, we can still hear all the instructions and the history and everything quite clearly. Um, you've probably seen these in like museum tours and stuff, but they're in all the staterooms of the ship. Uh, and so you just bring them with you. But had a lovely, lovely tour. Learned a lot of the history. Um, Sam wants to share some of what she, uh, sh she experienced. So Sam? I thought that our tour guide, uh, Maria, was fantastic. Um, she really taught us a lot about Passau. And I think the thing that was a real highlight for me was the way she did it was very interactive. So each of us got to be essentially a different character in the story or in a story of Passau's history. So at one point, I was a thief who got kind of um, strung up, uh, chained to a building and had, um, you know, horse feces and other things thrown at me. At one point, Brian was a plague victim. When the doctor came to treat him, the doctor then, of course, got sick and died. Nathan was actually a, he got to be an inanimate object. He got to be a, a boulder or essentially an old style cannonball uh, when the bishop uh, was trying to quell any resistance from the townspeople who wanted to, you know, overthrow his uh, dictatorship. So really interesting, a really fun way to do it. After the tour, we headed to marzipan making class, which I would say was more marzipan modeling class. So we were essentially we were in a confectionery uh, store uh, where we got to have a little piece of like pink colored marzipan, which is a essentially an almond and sugar paste. And we got to um, model them into little pigs, uh, lucky pigs specifically. Um, it was really fun. It was a cute activity. Uh, everybody essentially from the ship got to do these two things, the walking tour and then the marzipan uh, modeling class. But we did it in groups, so we weren't all at the same place at the same time. Um, and then following that marzipan modeling class, we got to just have some time on our own. I'd say we had about 40 minutes to walk around, pass out on our own. And it was kind of perfect timing because the Christmas market in Paso was just opening for the day. It was opening at 11. I think we finished our tour maybe you know, 10.40, 10.50. And we had just under an hour to really uh, walk around the market, do some shopping before we headed back to our buses to head back to the ship. As Brian mentioned, um, we did have lunch on board the ship. People who were doing a brewery tour, which was a different excursion than what we had for the afternoon, they stayed in Passau and had lunch on their own. So basically, Adventures by Disney gave them each a stipend for lunch. I believe it was about 25 euro per person. And they went to have lunch on their own. And then they met up for our transport to their brewery tour. Whereas those of us who were doing what they called the treetops Christmas market, uh, all came back to the ship to have lunch. Uh, for lunch, they had two options. 
it was an Oktoberfest kind of the or Bavarian themed lunch. But you we went to the restaurant where we ordered off the menu, but we were given uh, starters that were all Bavarian foods. So they had a white sausage. They had a fried calamari. They had some uh, ham or, you know, prosciutto type uh, cured meats. And Nathan had a chicken noodle soup and a mac and cheese off the kids menu. He said the mac and cheese was as good or almost as good as Mickey's mac and cheese. It was definitely a fancier mac and cheese than what they serve on Disney Cruise Line. But he seemed to really enjoy. In fact, I think he ate all of his mac and cheese. And Brian and I both ordered uh, essentially what they called the sandwich of the day, which was a, a ham and cheese sandwich on a pretzel roll with a Bavarian mustard and some gherkins and, of course, French fries. So really nice lunch. Um, and then I'll let Brian talk about what we did after lunch. Yeah. So after lunch, we uh, joined a tour that was going to, it was called the Treetops Tour. And so in the summertime, uh, they would take you up to this, which is essentially, I think, like a state park almost up in the mountains from where we're docked. And they would do like ropes courses and things like that. But in the winter, it's too cold and that stuff is closed. And so instead, they have a Christmas market tucked into this forest. And so we bust up the winding roads up to this wooded forested area, uh, got off, walked about 10 or 15 minutes into the forest. And there was kind of a large, Christmas market there. Uh, very rustic, sort of like being at like campground kind of thing, but they were serving all kinds of fun, you know, punch and glue wine. And um, the Nathan had some potato tornadoes, which were kind of um, fresh made potato chips on a stick, basically. Uh, and then um, I tried some toast with some cold potato on top of it. <laughs> I've got to ask one of our adventure guys, Joshua, who uh, lives in the area, uh, if he knows what that was, but it was, you know, it was good. Not, not sure I'd seek it out again, but it was good. Um, wandered around, did some of the handcrafts, um, stood by some open fires for uh, for warmth. Um, we had about two and a half hours on our own at the at this Christmas market. The, the name of the Christmas market, Sam is telling me, is Wald Wynacht. Uh, and so uh, it was really interesting. It was probably one of the more unique Christmas markets. We experienced it today. It was the last day of the market itself. So uh, also kind of an opportune time to go see it. Um, I would say this, for me, of the activities of the day, this was the weakest just because uh, two and a half hours on our own at this market in the freezing, freezing cold in the middle of the forest was a little much. Uh, but, you know, enjoyed seeing it. I wish it had been maybe maybe an hour shorter or that they had had kind of like at least a half hour to 45 minute kind of like guided tour. Like, I don't know why this market exists in the middle of the forest. I don't know if there's any sort of history or tradition to it um, and would have been interesting to, to learn that and understand that. Um, they did have some lovely entertainment at the market. They had a massive stage and they were having, you know, carol singers and things like that up there. So it was a nice time. Uh, overall, we were freezing by the time we got back, but Hopped back aboard the buses and uh, came back to the ship, dropped off our stuff, grabbed the recorder, and now are sitting in the lounge recording this part of the show. I think Sam wants to bring Nathan in to talk about some of the things we've experienced. So let's head over to Nathan uh, before we wrap up uh, day two here. Nathan, I need your review of first, let's talk the ship and our stateroom. What do you think of it as compared to like Disney Cruise Line? Uh, I think they're about the same, but smaller. Yeah. What's missing, though, on the river cruise that you have on a large Disney cruise ship? The kids club. Yeah. Is that a little bit of a bummer? Yeah. Let's let's talk about um, what you did at the Christmas markets this afternoon. Did you try a new treat at the Christmas market in uh, the one that was in the forest? Yeah. Tell me, what was it called? Tornado potato. And tell me, can you tell me what it is or describe it to me? It's a potato chip in a spiral shape on a wooden stick. 
And what did you think of it? Was it tasty? Was it icky? What? What would? How would you describe it? It was good. It tasted like a long potato chip, but some parts were soft that didn't taste good. Ah, so the better parts were the parts that were crunchy, is what you're saying? Yeah. What have you thought about the food on board the Amaviola River cruise ship? It's good. What did you think about your hamburger last night and uh, french fries? They were okay. All right. Not as good as Disney Cruise Line hamburger. Definitely. Okay. What about the mac and cheese you had today for lunch on board the Amaviola? The same as Mickey's mac and cheese. Yeah, it didn't taste the same, but you're saying it was equal in yumminess. Is that what you're saying? In tastiness. In tastiness. Okay, so you really liked the mac and cheese today. Yeah. That sounds great. What are you looking forward to uh, on this cruise? Are you looking forward to any activities tonight? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the pickle hunt and the Junior Adventurers Buffet. Yes, so tonight Nathan is going to get to experience uh, a couple of activities. We're going to do, I think, a pickle hunt on board. They're also going to be doing a Christmas tree decorating, so we may or may not participate in that. We'll kind of see how it goes, play it by ear. Um, And then Nathan is going to go to have dinner with the Junior Adventurers, which is going to have a buffet up here in the lounge while Brian and I uh, head to the dining room for dinner. Nathan, I forgot to ask you about Passau. That was where the town we went to this morning and how we did the uh, the tour when you were the, I'll call it a cannonball. And then we did the marzipan uh, modeling. We made those lucky pigs. What part of uh, What part of the day did you like the best, would you say? Marzipan making. What did you like about it? It was fun to get to sculpt a pig. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun too. All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. We appreciate your opinion. I think our listeners always appreciate hearing from you. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up there. We're headed into dinner. Actually, we're headed into a little cocktail hour and uh, a briefing on the day's activities for tomorrow. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow, hopefully in the afternoon to talk to you about those, but have dinner tonight that we're looking forward to and some more entertainment coming on board. Some, uh, it sounds like classical guitar players are coming on board this evening. And uh, yeah, more to come. Thanks for listening. All right, we are back. And uh, as much as we had intended to record each day of the trip, this trip has been jam-packed activities morning, afternoon, and in some cases evening, actually in every case evening. And so we are actually on our last day in Vienna, which means we only have one more full day left on board tomorrow in Budapest before we disembark. So got a lot of ground to cover because we did a lot of stuff. So when we last left you, we had been discussing the treetop markets and we were getting ready for dinner on our second evening, if we can believe that. Had a lovely dinner in the dining room. I'd say, as we said earlier in the show, the food on board has been fantastic, just top-notch all the way around. Uh, I think Sam tried some consomme. We both had a stuffed chicken dish uh, that was very, very good. Enjoyed it. Um, They had guitar playing in the lounge that evening. So they have entertainment in the lounge every evening. They've also had late night bites every night at 1030. We've only experienced that once, which we'll talk about in a minute. But they do have snacks out at 1030 if you're still hungry, which is hard to imagine given the amount of food out on the ship. I did want to say they don't have like snacks in the lounge during the day. So if you are on the ship, there's not a lot available to, to eat 
uh, in the lounge. They do a tea time from four to five every day, um, but there's no like snacks really sitting out. They have like water and some cookies and some uh, unsweetened iced tea. Uh, the bar isn't manned necessarily all day. It's just manned kind of at certain times when they know it'll be busier. So you know, finding food in between kind of set snack and meal times is a little tricky. But coffee and tea is available because they do have a coffee machine that you can self-serve like uh, lattes, espresso, that sort of a thing. So as I said, they had guitar playing that evening in the lounge. We were exhausted uh, after our travels and the first day on board and touring in the city. So did not stay up for the guitar playing. We heard great things. All the entertainment on board has been fantastic. But we called it an evening and went to bed and woke up the next morning in... Linz, Austria. So our day in Linz started, of course, with breakfast on board the beautiful Ama Viola. Uh, pretty much every day we've had the sit-down breakfast. They also have, I'll call it an express breakfast buffet up in the lounge. Uh, but the sit-down breakfast is quite good and also quite efficient. Like it's it's served pretty fast. So you can order your eggs or your waffle or whatever, um, and they bring it fairly quickly. The one thing, this was a, the earliest morning. So we met in the lounge at 7.40 a.m. We were headed on the salt mine and Salzburg tour, which meant we went first to uh, the salt mine and then, which is actually at the border of Austria and Germany. Most of it is in Austria, but part of the underground tour in the mine is actually in Germany. Um, and so we spent uh, most of uh, the beginning of the morning there. And then we headed into uh, the, the city of Salzburg where we got a tour. I will say this was a fantastic excursion. If you, if anyone who's listening ever does the Danube River Cruise, whether on Ama Waterways or another cruise line, um, I'd highly, highly, highly recommend doing the Salt Mine Tour. The This was also a full day. So we were out the entire day. So the morning was the salt mine. Then we headed to lunch at what I would call a brewery restaurant um, nearby. And that was actually really good. It was a large buffet. The one thing I would say is there were a couple of people with some fairly significant dietary restrictions, you know, gluten-free and um, other allergies. And there was not much available for um, particular one of the guests that we had been hanging out with that day. Uh, they ended up making her, you know, an unbreaded schnitzel. So she was able to have some meat. But other than that, all she had was um, potatoes. So really um, on the ship, I think they're great with dietary stuff. But around in Europe, I would say just harder with certain dietary restrictions. I just want to go back to the salt mines for a minute because I want to echo what Sam said. That is like a don't miss attraction if you are ever in the area. I'd say within an hour or two drive of it, it is spectacular. So we got there. We had to put on like special suits. We rode this like miners train into the mountain. And I mean, you were literally in an abandoned salt mine. Abandoned is the wrong word because it's well maintained, but a no longer functioning salt mine. So you ride this like miners train in. It looks nothing like a actual train. It's more like a almost like a log boom that you're straddling on wheels and it wheels you into the salt mine. It takes about two to five minutes to get into the mountain. From there, you start walking in these tunnels. They take you through all of these really interesting exhibits so you can learn more about salt mining and its impact on the region. You get to go down these fun miner slides. There's actually a lake inside the mountain and you get to do like an informative little boat ride through the lake with all of these like light shows and things like that. Um, you cross the border between Austria and Germany twice under the mountain. Um, and for, you know, reference, you're at one point, I don't remember what the deepest point was, but it was like 200 meters or something underneath the mountain. 
Um, you're down in like prehistoric mining uh, pieces or prehistoric mining tunnels. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people asked on our Instagram because we posted a ton of photos about the experience. Like, okay, so you got into the mountain. How'd you get out? That's the boring part. That was just an escalator up to the top. They did have a fun little gift shop that had like fun little salt artifacts in it and you could buy salt and stuff like that. It was really, really well done. It was a great mix of information, interactivity, fun little things. Uh, it was comparing it to like the uh, mine train, uh, the Seven Dwarfs mine train at one point, Big Thunder Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean. And I guess the adventure guide that we had, Danny, was hilarious because when we started the boat ride, he sort of kicked it off in the back with dead men tell no tales. So anyway, it was it was really, really fun. Nathan, what did you think about the salt mine uh, tour that we did uh, when we were docked in Linz? It was really fun. What did you like most about it? The slide. There were two slides, right? Did you, did you like the longer one, the shorter one? The longer one. You also picked up a little collectible from the salt mine, right? Yeah, I picked up a rock from around 600 feet under the ground. Yeah, so Nathan was pretty excited about that salt mine tour. As Sam said, we had a nice buffet uh, lunch at a restaurant in town. And from there, we headed into Salzburg, which is, uh, as its name suggests, a city built on built by salt. So it was the beneficiary of all the salt being mined uh, in and around the area. Uh, so create a lot of wealth and uh, built the town up. It was a lovely, lovely little town. We did a, a walking tour and then had some free time on our own to explore some Christmas markets. What did you think of Salzburg, Sam? I thought Salzburg was beautiful. Definitely, I would say, like a rich little city, um, not just rich rich in money, but rich in history. Um, it's, of course, the birthplace of Mozart. So we got to see where Mozart's uh, original birthplace home was. And then we, of course, got to see uh, where his home was that he lived in a little bit later in life. We also got to see where Christian Doppler's home, who uh, discovered the Doppler effect. Um, so that was another uh, cool thing, as well as see some stumbling stones on the ground that were more recently um, in history uh, put in, which are these little, um, I'll call them like golden plaques that are to commemorate um, different groups of people who were victims of the Holocaust. And so it's sort of a nod to the history of Austria, of course, being conquered uh, by the Nazi regime. So a, a town really full of history. Uh, we also saw the a garden that was um, where part of The Sound of Music was filmed. Of course, The Sound of Music has a lot of roots in Salzburg. Anyway, it was, a, I would say, a great day uh, where we also got to hit up some of the Christmas markets as well. So a really nice day after uh, finishing up our time in Salzburg when we transferred by a bus back to the ship for dinner. Yeah, I just want to say Salzburg reminded me the most of like Venice, where these alleyways you could peel off of. So big main streets where you could kind of see, you know, shops and things like that. And you could peel off into an alleyway that was connected by a galleria. Like it it was just a really quaint, quaint uh, little town to visit. The old town area was quaint uh, and nice to visit. So definitely a fun little trip, but a long bus ride uh, back to where we were docked in Linz. Uh, I think it's interesting because we saw like none of Linz. So like we were docked in Linz, but we didn't do anything in Linz, which is something I want to talk about a little later in the show, my impressions of river cruising overall. But uh, got back to the ship and it was time for sip and sail. Uh, so every night on the cruise, uh, they do an hour before dinner, they do um, a sip and sail menu. And so there's a drink of the day and some other drinks that are on the house, um, liquor, beer, wine, soft drinks, all that sort of stuff uh, that you get for that hour is just on the house. And so um, they've had different 
drinks of the day throughout the cruise. They had a, uh, not a sea breeze, but a bay breeze, I think it was called. They've had Manhattans. Um, so, you know, just fun drinks um, for sip and sail. Time for everyone to come together in the lounge before dinner and chit chat and talk before we all take over the main dining room. So uh, it was a really lovely evening for dinner. Yeah, That evening, we had a dinner that was um, to celebrate the French heritage of Ama Waterways. They are a member of the Chaine de Rotisseurs, which is a, a fine dining club and recognizes fine dining uh, restaurants. And um, you become a member of the Chaine and uh, basically you get invited to these special dinners all over the world. So my parents were members of the Chaine at one point and took some trips to some other dinners and things like that. So uh, really celebrating French cooking. Um, we had a really, really lovely dinner that evening, French dinner. So they had onion soup, they had cream of saffron, smoked salmon, uh, appetizers. Uh, they had for main course, uh, the star of the show was a mustard crusted rack of lamb with thyme sauce, zucchini, creamy artichokes, and potato gratin. They had crepe Suzette for uh, dessert. Um, meanwhile, I think this was, was this evening they had the kids' dinner, the first kids' dinner? Sam's nodding. Yes. Yeah, so uh, three times throughout the cruise, they've brought the kids together uh, to do dinner together so the parents can eat in the dining room, just adults. And so um, let's ask Nathan about that. Nathan, what'd you think of the, the kids' dinners on board? They're fun because you get to hang out with other kids. What kind of food do they, do they have you eat at the kids' dinners? Like what's available? Usually fries, burger, and spaghetti so not crepe suzette no but they do have ice cream for dessert and do they do fun activities during the kids dinner to keep you entertained like like do they do movies or games or anything like that yeah sometimes they'll do yeah sometimes they'll do movies or games or something fun so yeah nathan it's a way for the kids to come together and make friends and uh Nathan seems to enjoy doing those kids' dinners. Uh, that night, so I think we mentioned earlier on the show, but in case not, like every, well, just about every night on the cruise, they've done something or they've tried to commemorate one of the adventure guides' kind of traditions, family traditions. So uh, every night at dinner, for instance, one of the adventure guides, I think we said this, celebrates the Feast of the Twelve Fishes. So they have a fish dish on the menu that commemorates her tradition. Um, we did movie night uh, on this third night of the cruise uh, to commemorate one of the adventure guides traditions. Normally they would watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, uh, but we watched... We watched Frozen and, you know, if we hadn't had enough dinner at the Shindoro Tesoro dinner, of course there was popcorn and there was a hot chocolate bar with uh, marshmallows, which was actually Danny, one of our adventure guides. His tradition was the hot chocolate bar. Um, and of course, candy and snacks. So there was a, a ton of snacks and of course, Frozen being played in the lounge. The movie started, I want to say, around 9.30. So we didn't stay for the whole thing. We stayed for maybe an hour of movie night and then went to bed. Just one thing I want to mention, in addition to the holiday movie night and these traditions, we've been getting stockings. We have a stocking on our door that the... Uh, the crew, I, I think it's actually the adventure guides put on. And so every night we've been getting some kind of treat in our stockings. So the night before movie night, we got in our stockings um, movie tickets, which were telling us announcing the movie night, along with some uh, little candy canes and some Hanukkah gelt just to sort of kick off the, the holiday gifting. And then I think the second night we got a nice little wooden ornament. Um, the third day or third night, we put out our shoes for St. Nicholas Day and our shoes ended up with uh, big St. Nicholas uh, chocolates in them. And then the fourth night or the I guess this is the fifth night because there wasn't anything the first night 
we uh, had our stockings were filled with um, some kind of wafer chocolate from a local company, uh, Mamen, I believe it's called. I think it's an Austrian chocolate company. So every night we've been given some kind of a gift in our stockings for the holidays. And actually tonight we will have a gift exchange amongst the passengers. So we were all given 10 euros to go buy a gift and there will be like a white elephant gift exchange. But moving on, after we went uh, went to bed on the night in Linz, we then sailed to Melk, also in Austria. So we arrived in Melk um, in the morning. And Brian, what did we do Oh, in Milk. So in Milk, we had the opportunity to go to a Benedictine Abbey. We decided to sleep in because what they did is they said that they were going to take a group to the Abbey and then that group was going to go onward to a uh, story of the Danube experience in Milk. Uh, but they would have buses that would take folks sort of mid-morning over to the same story of the Danube experience. Kind of wanted to go see the Abbey. They didn't allow any sort of filming or photography inside the Abbey. And I misunderstood the description about the Abbey. I thought that it was going to be a bunch of kind of like seminars on fishing and some other things, which turned out to be what we did at the story of the Danube. And so um, I really wanted to go to the Abbey and tour the Abbey and hear the history of the Abbey, but I misunderstood the description. So we opted to sleep in instead and skip uh, skip the Abbey. I'm sure it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It is one of the few uh, Benedictine abbeys in uh, the area. It's now been, as I read up on the history of it, decommissioned because uh, a lot of the abbots had died off. Um, but uh, beautiful, beautiful abbey. We could see it from the ship. So we got up kind of late after sleeping in, uh, had some breakfast, again, at the sit-down breakfast, and then hopped a coach over to, I'm going to forget the name of it, but uh, this small palace and milk where we rotated kind of from station to station to station, small groups, and each station was a blast. So uh, we started off with, Sam was telling me the palace was named Schlossleberg or something along those lines. Uh, it looked more like a mansion than a palace in my mind but it, you know, nice, nice place. Uh, basically, we rotated through different stations, as I was saying. Uh, the first station we did was about the, was dancing. Actually, we did some Austrian dancing, have some great uh, video of Sam and Nathan dancing, and we put some up on our Instagram. Uh, but we learned some traditional Austrian dancing as a small group, uh, which is a lot of fun. Each of these stations took about maybe 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes at the most. Um, after dancing, we moved outside um, to learn about the tradition of um, fishing and fish cooking uh, in the area. And so we talked about the kinds of fish that come out of the Danube and how they're prepared. And we got to taste some smoked trout or some uh, yeah smoked trout that they were making over a, a fire pit. Uh, that they had caught the day before. It was delicious and interesting to hear about the the history of fishing there. Um, after that, we went into the kitchen and we met uh, a nice woman who was making fresh uh, apricot marmalade. And uh, Nathan got to help out. He got to stir the marmalade and the sugar together in the pot and cook it down. So learn the process and the ingredients to make apricot marmalade, which is a uh, specialty. I, I guess they call it apricot jam, <laughs> um, but it's, it's marmalade because it has the skins in it. Um, but it's a traditional dish that they make here uh, or in milk, in and around milk, because they grow lots of apricots. They have apricot trees down uh, by the river. So uh, learned how to make some apricot jam, got some apricot jam to take home with us, which was a nice little treat. Uh, everyone loved Nathan's cooking skills. So that was a lot of fun. 
Um, after we did the apricot jam, then we moved into wine tasting because the uh, wine valley here, the river valley is home to many, many wineries, uh, a lot of really delicious white wines. Uh, so we had some lovely white wines to taste and then um, learned a, bit, a little bit about each of the wines. Uh, after tasting the wines, obviously any good ride ends with a gift shop. So stopped in the gift shop, got some apricot uh, brandy or apricot, actually apricot schnapps, uh, and then uh, picked up a bottle of one of the wines that we really enjoyed. And then it was uh, it was back to the bus and back to the ship. But before we get back to the ship, Nathan, do you remember the um, the tour we did with the apricot jam making and the fish and, and all that stuff? What did you like most about that? Getting to stir the apricot jam. Did you like the taste of the apricot jam? It was okay. What about learning about like fishing and stuff? Did you enjoy those like educational things? Yeah. He says with kind of a smirk on his face. I think he's saying that because he feels like he has to say it. Uh, what about the dancing? Did you have fun dancing? Yeah, but it was tiring. It was tiring. It was the, you had a hard part with like a spin that you and mommy had to do, right? Yeah, but my kept going counterclockwise when you had to go clockwise. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Uh, so anyway, it was back on the bus and back to the ship for some for some lunch on board. Um, it was all aboard at 1 p.m., the Amaviola, because we actually got to do some sailing down the Danube during the day. So most of the time that we've been on the ship, the boat has sailed from port to port at night. So all aboard has been as late as one in the morning uh, and the ship is not moving super, super far. So they can do all of their sailing at night. Uh, you know, the ship like this, we can pull up alongside the dock at 8 a.m. and be off at 8.15. There's not a, there's not like, uh, we haven't seen a customs official here, but basically the crew just gets off, plugs the ship in, ties it up uh, and we're ready to go. I don't know how it works exactly on the river, but I'd love to find out. But we do most of our sailing at night and this day we got to sail during the day. And so we got to see some sights along the Danube. We passed some just amazing uh, castles and small towns and I uh, got to see vineyards and uh, plateaued farming and just all kinds of really interesting stuff, other boat traffic. Uh, and then we ended up docking in, we ended up docking in Krems. So uh, docked in Krems. Uh, Sam wanted me to point out that while we were sailing, they also had some activities on board. They had an ice cream party uh, for everyone. And they also did some gingerbread cookie decorating, which they've done a couple times uh, on the ship. But uh, gingerbread cookie making uh, that Sam and Nathan did. Sam, how was the gingerbread cookie making? We really didn't do the ice cream social, but it looked like delicious ice cream with lots of toppings. But how was the gingerbread cookie making? It was quite fun. You got to choose which kind of gingerbread cookie you wanted to decorate. So they had like hearts, they had trees, they had gingerbread men, which is what Nathan and I both chose. And they had all kinds of icings and candies so that you could decorate in lots of different ways. So we were at a bunch of tables. We were in actually the room where the chef's tasting um, dinner is held, which holds maybe 20 people. And so that's where we were all set up for gingerbread decorating. It was quite a fun time. Um, we did not keep our gingerbread cookies. They told us that the cookies were not the best tasting cookies. And so it was just, you know, we wanted to decorate, take a picture, and then we were kind of all done with it. Yeah. So in Krems in the afternoon, we had an opportunity to do basically one of two things. One was an excursion uh, that would take bus us about 10 minutes back upriver. We sailed past uh, the ruins of Dernstein Castle in a small town called Dernstein. Uh, and has you know an old Roman wall running from the castle down to the city. It's you know lovely, lovely ruins for historical purposes. Uh, but we've gotten on a bus and gone ten minutes back uh, toward that and done a guided tour. Dernstein is a very small town, and so we were told 
but you know, no Christmas market to speak of, no shops open or anything like that. And so we instead opted to get off and walk into the town of Krems on our own and explore kind of the Christmas market. I'd say Krems is fairly underwhelming as compared to some of the other cities we've been in. It's a very small town. And uh, I keep meaning to ask our cruise manager, like, you know, what, what people who live in Krems do? Are they commuting into Vienna or to Salzburg or to one of the other cities? And this is like a bedroom community of that town. Uh, it looks like a lot of very nice buildings and, and homes, uh, but the streets felt mostly empty. Uh, you know, not a lot of people around. The Christmas market was really just kind of like a long street with shops and there were some stalls here and there serving, you know, glue wine and some handicrafts and things like that. Um, saw a couple of lovely churches, but basically we spent probably about an hour, hour and a half off the ship. Just, it was about a 10 to 15, maybe 20 minute walk into town. Uh, walked around town and then um, I think stopped for a glass of glue wine and and came back to the ship. Stopped at a little park right off the dock for Nathan to spend some time uh, swinging and getting his wiggles out uh, for 15 minutes in the freezing cold and darkness. But, uh, you know, hey, that's what we got to do. Um, so, yeah, Krems was fairly underwhelming, but I'm not sure Dernstein would have been much better for us. Uh, from there, it was back on the ship for another sip and sail. And then uh, dinner in the dining room. Actually, no, we had dinner that night in the at the chef's table. So uh, should highlight so that Nathan had another kids and another junior adventurers dinner uh, and should highlight that there's a chef's table on board. It is included. Everyone can dine at the chef's table once during their sailing. Uh, and so it's on the back of the ship away from the main dining room. It had, I think, maybe four uh, smaller tables and one large table. Uh, and basically, it's a prepared fixed course menu that's different than what's being served in main dining. It's supposed to highlight sort of the you know amazing skills of the chef on board. Um, it was a good dinner. It came with wine pairing. Um, wasn't a different wine for each course. Uh, they actually asked if we just wanted to pick white or red for the dinner. And we opted. We said, can we just have some of both um, to taste with the food? D the food was excellent. I'm not, I will say this. I'm not sure it was all that much better than what we were getting in main dining other than the, you know, kind of the, you know, the adventuresomeness of it or the, the, the presentation was obviously very nice. But yeah, the, you know, the, the food quality was just as good as what you get in main dining. It was more that it was more inventive and in the the service was just a, maybe a little higher end and the presentation was just a little higher end. I will say though, uh, and I think Sam would echo this impression, but I'll ask her in a second, like it was a little too fast for my taste. I think that they really stepped up the pace so that the chef's table would complete at the same time as main dining because the kids are on board and they can't roam the ship unaccompanied uh, and they couldn't keep them in the lounge or the adventure guides all night. I suspect if you were on a regular cruise that wasn't ABD, that chef's table dinner is much more paced out, but this one felt super rushed. Uh, it also felt like they would normally pair wines with each course. And in this case, it just kind of like gave you a glass of red and white wine and you drank it as you saw fit and they would refill it. So delicious food. Um, I would love to see what it was like on a regular river cruise without uh, the ABD component to it to see if it was a little bit better paced. I don't know. Sam, what did you think of the uh, our time in Krems and the chef's table? I have to agree with you on Krems, a little underwhelming. There were some Christmas market stalls on sort of the main thoroughfare, the main shopping street. There wasn't like a real Christmas market like we've seen in the other towns that we visited. So not as great of a spot for us to tour around and, you know, didn't seem to have a ton of um, regular stores that we, you know, like wanted to shop in. But as far as the the tasting menu, I, I actually really enjoyed it. We had a nice uh, another family that we sat at a table with. It was a quite enjoyable meal. I agree the pacing was a little fast for a tasting menu, but I didn't mind so much because we did have to meet back up with Nathan since he was at the Junior Adventurer buffet. 
And so, you know, one of the things I would sort of say and to compare this to large ship cruising, this is a big difference with large ship cruising and at least small ship cruising on the Amaviola is that kids can't be left unattended. I mean, you can run to the bathroom for a few minutes with your kids sitting in the lounge, but you can't like be hanging out in one place in the ship and have your child hanging out even in your stateroom. They don't allow it. Um, They don't really want children unattended on the ship. It makes sense, but it's a little bit frustrating. And I say it makes sense because they don't have this kind of security that you do on a large cruise ship. Somebody could easily walk off the ship without um, or walk right to the next ship over that is docked, rafted next to us. without tapping in or tapping off like it's it would it's very easy to walk on and off the ship sort of let me say unnoticed so the security measures are just not the same as they are in a large cruise ship yeah and i'll just add there the other thing too is they don't have all of the um kid protections you know it'd be very easy for a kid to get out on a balcony very easy for a kid to climb up and go over a balcony very easy for a kid to go over on the top deck so um you know just lots of spaces that aren't as monitored or locked down as you get on a large cruise ship and so I think very easy for a kid to get in trouble pretty quickly. So understand the rule and they have to draw a line somewhere, no matter how mature or well-behaved or, um, you know, uh, responsible your child is. So we get it. It's just been a little bit of a different experience what we get on sort of Disney Cruise Line. Yeah. And because of no, there's no kids club, you can't leave your child on board and you leave the, sh- you know, go off the ship. So that's even if your child is gonna, wants to be in the stateroom asleep, you cannot do that. So that's um, just, a you know, one difference. So one thing I wanted to mention about this night, uh, this night when we were in uh, the Wachau Valley, is there is a Minnie Mouse that is given out by the Adventures by Disney Adventure Guides. Yes, Mun- Disney. she's from the Disney store in Munich that no longer exists. So she's wearing a nice little cute dirndl. And if you've been following on our Instagram, you've already seen her. But it's given out each night by the Adventure Guides to a family. That family is expected to take Minnie wherever they go and to take pictures of her at all of their locations. So she's kind of like a Flat Stanley, if you've ever seen that Flat Stanley project through your child's school. But yeah, so you take pictures of her wherever you go. So we got Minnie awarded to us that night. So Minnie actually came with Brian and I to the chef's tasting. Uh, Nathan did not want to be responsible for Minnie at the Junior Adventure Buffet. And so she got to enjoy the chef's table. She got to enjoy some uh, late night uh, music in the lounge. We had a wonderful uh, musician, Victoria Marks. She was a a singer and she did, you know, everything from pop to rock to old standards. um, And she was wonderful. She got a bunch of us up and dancing. She got some of the kids singing along with her to um, Jingle Bell Rock. And of course, Minnie did some dancing herself. So really fun. Again, late night snack available in the lounge at 1030 after Um, the performer. We did not stick around to eat it. We were so full. And as I mentioned, St. Nicholas night happened. That was actually that night where we left a shoe for each of us outside our door for St. Nicholas to leave something in our shoes. Now, St. Nicholas night, I believe, happens on, it's either December 5th or 6th, depending upon which country you are in, Germany versus Austria. They do it on different nights. And that's actually the night where St. Nicholas, kind of like our Santa Claus, comes and visits um, houses and leaves them presents. The Christ children or kinder kinder Christ, I believe they're called, are who comes and leaves gifts on Christmas Eve. And um, the uh, the Austrians and I believe the Germans as well open 
Christmas presents and do sort of their Christmas thing on Christmas Eve, not on Christmas Day. Christmas Day is sort of a, a lazy day, but a lovely day in the Wachau Valley. And so we went to bed and we woke up in the beautiful city of Vienna, um, which is the largest city, of course, in Austria. If you haven't heard of Vienna, uh, you've been living under a rock. <laughs> Again, a, a place also famous for Mozart. Um, he spent uh, a very large part of his life in Vienna, even though he was born in Salzburg and spent his early childhood there. Uh, we met again. It was an early-ish morning. This was about 8 a.m. So we had breakfast on the ship and uh, again, in the sit-down breakfast. We met in the lounge and we all embarked on a bus tour of Vienna first and then a visit to the famous Schönbrunn Palace. At the Schönbrunn Palace, we got to do a couple of different stations. We started, It was we were essentially broken up into multiple groups so that we would rotate which activity we each did over the course of of the visit. Um, we started with the marionette um, show, which we got to go into a marionette theater. So marionette thing puppets with strings uh, a la Pinocchio. But let's think about strings of like 20 strings. These puppets are incredibly detailed. The handlers or artists are incredibly good at what they do. We had a, a short demonstration before the show and then we got to see, I don't know, maybe a 15 or 20 minute marionette show. And then we got a little bit more of a demonstration and I'll call it like a marionette museum after. Yeah. And when Sam says a marionette show, this was not like a kid's marionette show, like a like a story. It was a ballet set to, I think, music from most Mozart actually uh, it was almost like a. I'm forgetting the name of the uh, the the play uh, where the you know main characters are kind of dreaming and the, the forest comes alive kind of thing. But they had marionette horses and marionette butterflies and marionette people and just like it was really really well done. And at the end, they told us it was just three people that were controlling everything that was going on on stage, which was unbelievable. Um, I kind of want to get Nathan's impressions of the marionette show. Hey Nathan, what did you think of the marionette show that we got to see yesterday and the whole marionette kind of museum we got to take a look at? It was cool. What'd you like about it? It was cool how it was hard to tell that it wasn't like real. Did you get to you got to play with a marionette for a few minutes after, right? Yeah. What'd you think of that? Does it seem hard to control the marionettes? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I want to echo what Nathan just said there. You, after a while, or really actually after just a few seconds and seeing the butterfly movements, which were at the very beginning of the show, you really forgot you were looking at puppets. You thought you were looking at like, I don't know, a TV screen or something. It was so good. So we all got to actually play uh, or handle a marionette a little bit after. Um, as I mentioned, Minnie Mouse was with us. So Minnie Mouse got to interact with a, a Mozart puppet, actually. It was, you know, really quite fun. Following the marionette visit, we actually got to go inside the palace to check out the um, exhibits or the rooms that are still uh, intact or have been preserved from uh, the Schönbrunn Palace, where um, it was a Queen Maria Theresa ruled over essentially the Holy Roman Empire for quite a long time. So this was her palace. While we were visiting the palace, Nathan got to go with the adventure guide and two other kids over to the Children's Museum, which he said was really fun. And he got to dress in some period costumes there. Hey, let's ask Nathan since he's sitting here. So yesterday you got to go to the Children's Museum at Schoenbrunn Palace. What did you get to do and what did you think about the museum overall? Well, we only got to do one thing. We got to, we got 10 minutes to dress up and then we took a 
picture with everyone. Was that fun? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, 10 minutes of costuming and some photos, but uh, Nathan had a good time. Um, touring the palace was really, you know, it was interesting. It's touring a, touring a palace. I, the most interesting part for me were the rooms were extraordinarily ornate, some of the most ornate rooms I've seen. Uh, and also learning that uh, Marie Antoinette, uh, yeah, uh, Maria Teresa's, uh, she was the daughter, one of the daughters of Maria Teresa, and they married her off to uh, King Louis the 13th, 14th, whatever it was, um, as a way to build alliances with France at the time. And so there are all of these, um, you know, paintings of Marie Antoinette as a young girl, which was just really kind of interesting to see. So um, after the palace tour, it took about, I don't know, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes for the palace tour. We met back up with uh, with Nathan and we had some time on our own. Uh, so we wandered the Christmas market that was just outside of Schoenbrunn Palace, uh, picked up a pretzel, had some glue wine, explored some of the uh, the arts and craft stands. As Sam mentioned, one of the things that we're doing on board is a gift exchange. And so we uh, used the opportunity to tour the Christmas market to find at least one or two of the gifts that we're going to uh, use in the gift exchange. Uh, this evening. So after we wandered the market, we headed over to strudel making. We had a strudel demonstration. So uh, went down into a cafe. They had strudel and coffee out on the table that we could sample and you know have have something nice to drink and a big healthy piece of strudel, I should say. Uh, and then a chef demonstrated how they make the strudel and and uh, you know from everything from you know rolling out the dough and uh, using special claws and things like that to get the dough rolled up and how to make the filling, all that sort of stuff. So um, it was an interactive, a little bit of an interactive uh, strudel making with. Uh, some strudel tasting. Learn that while strudel is heavily associated with uh, this region, it is not in Vienna. It is not endemic to this region. It was uh, something that actually was it uh, Maria Teresa uh, tasted on her travels and brought back to Vienna. And so uh, there is a traditional Viennese uh, apple strudel that involves uh, apples, uh, cinnamon, sugar, rum raisins and this uh, this pastry, uh, this traditional Viennese strudel. So uh, delicious strudel. I don't think Sam liked it as much as uh, as I did, uh, but you know, still an enjoyable experience. Um, after strudel making, uh, we got back on the buses and we had sort of two options. We could either take the bus all the way back to the ship and have lunch on board and then get off in Vienna to wander the town for a bit if we wanted to, or we could just have the bus drop. Uh, the bus was making a stop at Stevens Plots. Uh, and we could get off the bus and start wandering Vienna and do lunch on our own. We opted to get lunch on our own, so got off the bus and headed to a restaurant that was recommended by the adventure guides called Lugak. Wandered in. We didn't have a reservation, so we sort of sat in a bar area, tried some local food. I say that. I'm not sure that Sam's food was all that all that local. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Sam had a goose soup uh, that was on special. It was a special of the day. Uh, and so she tried some goose soup. I tried some uh, veal goulash, uh, creamy veal goulash, which is uh, a Vienna uh, and Austrian recipe. Uh, both I thought were delicious. I thought Lugek was a great restaurant recommendation from the Adventure Guides. Um, I don't know, Sam, did you enjoy your meal at Lugek? I thought it was delicious. I actually really liked your goulash and the, what do they call those? The dumplings. It was more like a spetzel, but it was like a kind of a plain dumpling or plain spe uh, spetzel uh, that was served with your meat goulash. And I thought both your meat goulash as well as your spetzel were both delicious. Um, mine, my goose soup was also good, but it was just not quite as hearty as yours. And I have to say, Nathan had a really nice uh, portion of just a grilled chicken and, and French fries. So I, I definitely ate a couple of his French fries. So yeah, it was, it was a nice lunch. Um, after lunch, we decided to hit up a couple of Christmas markets. So the two that we went to was Weinachs Market at Stevens Platz, Platz or St. Stevens Cathedral. And then we went to Arta Art Advent at Carl's Church, which is uh, St. Charles Church. 
um, we I would say we really liked the art advent at Carl's Church, um, which was more of an artisan's market, a uh, craft market instead of sort of the traditional Christmas market. So it just had a little bit more unique arts and crafts type stuff. Yeah, I thought the Stevens Plots uh, Christmas market, I mean, a lot of the Christmas markets are selling stuff that like, I mean, it's made in and around Austria, but it looks like stuff you could get made in China. Like it's, you know, it's wooden toys, puzzles, um, snow globes and things that, you know, we've seen variations of back at home. So it's like not all that unique. Whereas the Karlsplatz market that we went to or the Karlschurch market that we went to felt like a lot of local artisans and handicrafts. So really, really enjoyed wandering that market. Had some punch, uh, which is uh, something else you can get apart from glue line. Uh, so had some punch and wandered that market. It was a pretty good walk. Uh, so had a nice walk after lunch and a nice walk back uh, to Stevens Plots. After browsing that market, walked down kind of the main shopping street that's all decorated and lit up for the holidays. They do some really fantastic decorating here in Europe for the holidays. So walked back down the main street, met up. They had bus shuttle buses running every 30 minutes for a couple of hours to get folks back to the ship if they wanted to wander Vienna. So met up with one of the shuttle buses and it was time to head back to the ship in time uh, for sip and sail and early dinner. We had dinner at 5.30 last night because we had an evening activity. So we had a scheduled morning activity on your own time, dinner on the ship, and then an evening activity. And there were two choices for the evening activity. One was to see a traditional uh, sort of classical music concert in Vienna. It required dressing up a little bit nicer. Uh, it was also three hours long with an intermission. And we decided that was probably not going to be the thing that Nathan really <laughs> would enjoy. And so we opted for the second thing, which, you know, in retrospect, I'm not sure that it was anything that Nathan really enjoyed, but he also just kind of brought his uh, his phone and his headphones along and watched some TV, which is we went to a traditional Austrian wine house. Uh, now, I thought this was going to be like white wine tasting in Austria, uh, but they were very quick to point out this was not going to be wine tasting. Yeah, this was going to basically was a wine tavern. So they bring carafes of lower alcohol white wine uh, and they you fill mugs with your wine and you sit and you drink wine and eat bread and have some spreads on it and it's like a night out at a beer hall in Germany so drank lots of really delicious uh, you know house table white wine uh, had some you know bread and spreads and uh, met some of our fellow adventurers and you know we spent about two-ish hours there kind of closed the place down and then it was back on the bus for some carol singing on the way back to the ship now that we were all in the festive mood. Uh, so sang all, all the way from the wine house back to the ship. And then we were back on the ship by about, I think it was 10 or 10.30 in the evening uh, and just in time for some late night snacks. And then it was off to bed. And thankfully, this morning in Vienna, as we're recording, was a sleep-in morning, which means we got an entire extra hour of sleep last night, which is really, really nice. Uh, so uh, got up this morning, had breakfast, and then there was an organized trip for everyone on the ship to the Rathaus, which is basically the town hall or town square here, where they have a big Christmas market with a Ferris wheel and a double-decker merry-go-round and a big ice skating. And I don't want to call it ice skating rink, but an ice skating trail. So uh, it's paths of ice that kind of wind around together and 
you can kind of skate through the ice trail, basically. And so there was an ice skating excursion. So Nathan and Sam laced up their skates and did some ice skating this morning in the town square. I wandered around with the camera getting some some video of the different attractions and the ice skating and the Christmas markets and wandered some stalls, had some punch uh, to warm, uh, warm up a bit. And uh, once they finished up ice skating, we decided to partake of a very Viennese activity, which is we headed to a Viennese coffee house. Viennese coffee houses are uh, recognized as part of Viennese culture by the United Nations as a sort of protected part of Viennese culture by the United Nations. So it's very typical for uh, in Vienna for folks to spend some time in a coffee house having a nice cafe uh, you know, during the day and they are not rushed. You you do not take your coffee away. You sit, you enjoy your coffee, you have conversation on these very lovely spaces around town. So tried the coffee house. We actually ended up having lunch there uh, instead of just coffee and cakes. We had some had some fabulous Wiener schnitzel. Sam had a lovely uh, ham and cheese toasty. And Nathan was uh, up for some, some plain pasta with Parmesan cheese, which is one of his favorite things to eat right now. Uh, and so did end up having a, both of us ended up having a coffee. Sam had a kind of espresso hot chocolate coffee uh, that she seemed to really, really enjoy. I had a latte after my uh, schnitzel, which was delicious. I should say the schnitzel also came with a fabulous uh, Viennese potato salad that was really, really nice. And so I thought it was a great meal, a great little respite. I don't know what Sam thought. This was a fantastic find. So this is the Cafe Landman, L-A-N-D-T-M-A-N. It is famous, apparently. It's a famous cafe. It is a little bit pricier than most of the cafes. And so the food is a little bit more expensive. The coffees are a little bit more expensive. But it was just a fabulous uh, meal, as Brian mentioned. It was also right across from Rathouse Plots, which is the plaza where City Hall sits, and this Christ Kindle Market, which is the market where the ice skating had been. So it was really great location and easy from where we had just come from. And uh, it was fantastic because the food was fantastic. Now, we did forego heading back to the ship for lunch in order to go to this cafe, because one thing that we haven't mentioned is in Vienna, nothing is rushed when you sit down for a meal uh, or a coffee. It is leisurely. So if you want to get in and out, um, you cannot really go to a sit down uh place like sit down coffee shop or sit down uh, cafe or restaurant. If you want something that's going to be quick service, you need to do like a takeaway or like a McDonald's or something like that, like a fast food. It's just not the culture here for them to, you know, rush you out. So um, many of the folks from our ship were headed back on basically the bus at noon back to the ship to have lunch. And then they could venture out on their own or or they could just stay on the ship because all aboard was at three and uh, we were going to be leaving, which three o'clock is actually 10 minutes from now. So we're going to be headed out of the city of Vienna and to uh, Budapest, where we will arrive tomorrow morning. But it's definitely, uh, this was one uh, thing where I'd say Adventures by Disney kind of, uh, I'm going to give them a ding because they didn't have shuttle buses going back and forth back to the ship. You either went on the shuttle at noon back to the ship or you had to find your own way back. Now, we are um, brave travelers. And so we are comfortable with either using an Uber or using the subway. And we ended up using the subway to come back to the ship. But we wanted to spend, you know, some more time out. So we actually hit up another Christmas market, the Altweiner Christ Kindle Market at Fry. Um, so this was somewhat on the way back before we hopped on uh, the subway or the U-Bahn in order to uh, to get back to the ship. 
Um, one thing I'd also note is the food in Vienna is just fantastic. You know, we went to these two restaurants. I wish we had gotten to eat more food uh, in Vienna. We did have a Wiener Schnitzel for dinner on board the Amaviola last night. That was okay. It was good. But the one that we had at Cafe Landsman today was just fantastic. Yeah, and just a couple things to add there quickly. So the cafe, I would say too, even though it's expensive, like the portion of Wiener Schnitzel we got was gigantic. So it was easily shared by Sam and I and probably even too much for just the two of of us. Uh, and they were lovely, lovely to Nathan. Um, the waiter was fantastic. So just all around a great, great find. Um, I wanted to comment too on the shuttle bus situation. I think it would been super, super easy for Disney to say, look, we're going to have one bus that leaves at the end of ice skating to get everyone back to the ship in time for lunch. And we're just going to have, we're going to have one more bus that picks up at a pre-designated spot later in the afternoon. So if you want to come back to the ship on our dime, you need to meet that bus to get back. So, you know, look, it ended up not being a huge deal for us to get the subway tickets, but I think think probably there were some people who were deterred from spending any more time in Vienna because they just didn't want to deal with the hassle of trying to get back to the ship on time. And um, I will say as much as the river cruises dock in the cities where our cruises docked in Vienna is not, it, it's not walkable to the area where you'd want to go visit Christmas markets. There's like a big island between us and that side of town that would take easily 10 or 15 minutes to walk across just to get to the start of the area where you would start walking to get to some of these Christmas markets, which are themselves another 10 to 15 minutes. So that's a lot of walking, uh, especially for the the age demographic on board and the profile of traveler who's on board. But before we wrap up here, I did want to ask uh, our our friendly guest, Nathan, what did you think of the ice skating today? It was a lot different than the ice skating you did in Munich. It was really fun. And I finally started learning really well how to ice skate. Yeah. So you had a great time? You had a great time doing the ice skating? Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah. Can you describe for folks what the ice rink was like? It was kind of like an eight, but it had these big sections and cutoffs in between. It was more like a bunch of circles. Yeah, so a lot of interconnected and inter intertwining paths, right? Yeah, and they all had set directions. And unlike the one in Munich, this one did not have the bears or penguins for you to lean on, right? You had to like hold on to kind of wooden fencing if you wanted to wanted to stay upright and didn't want to skate. Yeah, they did have a practice area though that was a small square with like these seal things. Well, it sounds like Nathan had a great time. We had a good time in Vienna so far. Well, I guess we're wrapping up here, Fianna, now as we get ready to pull away. We've got to wrap some Christmas gifts for the gift exchange tonight. They're celebrating Christmas on board. We have Christmas dinner this evening. Uh, and then we will be in Budapest tomorrow and have a full agenda in Budapest with full day tours. Actually, uh, one thing, we're, we're supposed to be doing a food tour tomorrow, but they had too many people subscribe to it. So we've opted for some on your own time. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get back. Uh, but full day in Budapest tomorrow. And then we are disembarking the Amaviola the following day. And so we'll talk about how the disembarkation process works. And uh, we're off to the Budapest airport to fly to London Heathrow uh, for an overnight before we head onward to Honolulu. So a little bit more to come here from Budapest and uh, this evening's activities, and we will be back. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, 
carriers and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash Duo so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. All right, we are back. And unfortunately, we are at home. We had hoped to record this segment of the podcast while we were traveling from Budapest all the way to Honolulu, or at least while we were in Honolulu. But wah, 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 we all got the flu that we, well, we found out we have the flu now that we're at home. Uh, because we've uh, been sick for a little while. Uh, I actually wasn't feeling great starting uh, on the last couple of days of the river cruise, but thought I had just caught sort of a mild cold. But we wound up in Hawaii. We all came down with it. Uh, unfortunately, your favorite guest, Nathan, is still uh, under the weather. So I don't know that we'll get much more from him on this show. Uh, he's trying to recover from the flu. Uh, I'm mostly over it now and Sam is working on it. Uh, but you can probably hear it in our voices. We're still got a little congestion. That said, we wanted to wrap up this uh, review of our ABD River Cruise. We want to be sure to get it out for you all because uh, several people have asked when you'll get to hear about our experience. And so when we last left you, it was Friday evening, which was going to be Christmas on board the Ama Viola. And we were getting ready to wrap our gifts for the gift exchange that evening. Lots of Christmas activities on board. Uh, I'm going to let Sam talk through uh, most of them. Uh, because spoiler alert, I decided to call it uh, a day early that night or I went to bed early. So missed some of the after dinner Christmas activities because I wanted to get some rest because I felt like I was coming down with something and lo and behold, I was. But Sam, do you want to pick up with folks uh, what we did on Christmas evening aboard the Amaviola? And we also did some uh, afternoon sailing that day through some locks and past uh, Bratislava. And um, yeah, so you want to talk through folks what happened that afternoon on board after we left Vienna? Okay, so as Brian mentioned, we did get to sail the Danube that afternoon for several hours. We got to go through some very large locks. It was actually quite cool seeing us go down, I think, about maybe uh, 40 or 50 feet in one lock. We also had afternoon tea on board. I had the beautiful Amaviola. And then in the dining room, it was time for Christmas dinner. Now, of course, this was December 21st, so this was an early Christmas dinner. But they had a special uh, dinner planned for that night where we had, as always, multiple courses. But one of the courses, one of the main course options was, of course, a traditional roast turkey dinner. So we all had dinner in the dining room. It was lovely, of course, multi-course as always. I had, I think, a, a consomme. I think I had a steak. And of course, we had dessert as usual. And then following that was sort of the get together for Christmas in the lounge. And as Brian mentioned, there was a gift exchange. So we were all, I think I mentioned earlier in the show, we were all given 10 euros to go buy a gift at the Christmas markets or wherever out and out and about. And we wrapped our gifts that afternoon on board. And then the gift exchange after dinner was basically we all gathered in the lounge 
They broke us up into groups. Each group went and grabbed a present that was not one that you had brought. And then they told a story um, where we moved the gifts from right to left, depending upon what was happening in the story. So it was, and Donald went right because he was trying to go see Mickey. But when he got to Mickey's house, he turned left. So that sort of a thing. And then when we ended, whatever present was left in your hands was yours. And if you, if it was a present you bought, then you would uh, exchange it with, with one of the guides. Additionally, the uh, crew of the Amaviola came and sang some Christmas carols to us, which was quite funny because they were singing in English. And for most of them, their first language is not English. And I'm not sure that the songs that they sang for Americans were ones that were, you know, well known to them. But it was really fun to watch them all uh, sing for us. And then, of course, the uh, jolly old elf himself, Mr. Santa Claus came on board to deliver gifts to all of the little boys and girls and of course all the big boys and girls on board. So everyone was able to take pictures with uh, Santa as well as the two angels that came with him. It was really cute because the presents were all little like stuffed animals that were uh, on the waterways uh, tagged tagged presents. And so Nathan got a little stuffed snowman and two little stuffed bears uh, because the you know staff who were the angels just kept giving us more and more presents. But it was a really lovely evening. I'm sorry Brian missed it because he was obviously not feeling well, but it was a, a nice uh, Christmas Eve spent on board, even though it wasn't actually Christmas Eve. We headed to bed pretty soon after that because we were all tired and we knew we'd have a big day for us in the city of Budapest the next day. Uh, as Sam mentioned, we were up early the next day because I wanted to be up on deck despite feeling a little under the weather to see the sail into Budapest. Budapest has been on my bucket list of cities to visit ever since I was in college and a mentor and professor of mine mentioned uh, time he had spent there and how beautiful the city was and that it was definitely kind of a top city for him to experience in Europe. And it certainly did not disappoint. Our sail in was gorgeous. Uh, unlike some of the other cities that we stopped in where the dock on the river, either the city was very small or the dock on the river was, you know, a little bit outside of the main city area. Uh, the Danube cuts right through the middle of Budapest. It's actually, I guess, two different cities that join together at some point. And so there's a Buda side and a Pest side, and that's where the name comes from, Budapest. Uh, and so we docked right in the heart of the sort of downtown area of Budapest, about a 10 minute walk from the central market on the Pest side of things. Had a gorgeous just sail in. Lots of great views of the buildings early morning uh, as the sun was coming up. Uh, gorgeous bridges across uh, the river there uh, between the two cities. And so just just really, really great. I highly recommend uh, taking, if you're taking a river cruise into Budapest, be up on the top deck to watch that sail in because it was certainly worth the wait. That morning we started as we had typically done with our a la carte breakfast. And then we met up in the lounge rather late, uh, 9.30 a.m. It was a late start for us in Budapest. But um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we were supposed to be doing a food tour, uh, but they had oversubscribed the food tour. Uh, and so we decided to give up our spot on the food tour because we weren't sure if Nathan would really enjoy it. Um, I think this is one other ding I had for Adventures by Disney. We don't, unlike on ocean cruising, we don't choose our shore excursions in advance. Although there was some ability through the website to do that, apparently kind of meant nothing. They had no numbers coming into the cruise itself. And so we did not 
choose our shore excursions until we got to the hotel in Munich. Uh, and they provide us with some documentation and a link to a Google form of all things that we needed to fill out for our party, uh, choosing our different shore excursions. And when people chose their shore excursions, everyone seemed to want to do the food tour and no one wanted, seemed to want to do the other tour that day. Uh, and so they were oversubscribed, way oversubscribed. Um, I ding Adventures by Disney for this because it seems like something they could have handled by more advanced planning. Uh, if they'd known that the number of people who wanted to do the food tour was as many as it was, perhaps they could have taken it in a morning and an afternoon tour or something. But um, just seems like it's a little odd to wait until a couple of days before to ask people what their shore excursion choices are going to be, because then you have no real ability to adjust and plan. Uh, one of the guests on board, I did want to comment, uh, one of the guests on board actually mentioned to us that uh, one of his pet peeves about Adventures by Disney is unless you use an iPhone and have a Google account, you're really kind of stuck. The iPhone component is that the adventure guides do a lot of the pictures, will do most of the pictures on their own iPhones or the iPhones, I guess, maybe Disney has given them. And so at the end of the cruise, when they want to give pictures or trade pictures, they're always looking to airdrop things. And um, he is just like, I, I don't really want to do that. And he was a very private person. Uh, and he also said that he didn't have a Google account and wasn't going to sign up for one just uh, to fill out forms for adventures by Disney. So, um, you know, he was okay. His family was able to sort of do the forms for him and he talked to the adventure guides. But is a good point that if you don't have kind of a smartphone, uh, especially an iPhone, uh, and you don't have a Google account, it seems like it could be a little difficult to, to do some of this stuff if you don't want to sign up for it. And I recognize most people will have smartphones, especially iPhones and Google accounts, but just wanted to flag that for folks uh, if they don't. That said, we originally had decided we were just going to do some time on our own in Budapest, but then changed our minds and signed up to do a second tour that they had offered, which was uh, a trip to the Lazar Equestrian Park. Uh, so the whole ship started its day by getting off and walking the 15 minutes to the central market. And then we were given maybe 20 or 25 minutes to just look through the central market, which P.S., not enough time to explore that market. It is two stories. It is packed on the first floor with all kinds of interesting food stalls and foodstuffs. Uh, Hungary and Budapest are known for, they had caviar that was very inexpensive. Uh, Budapest is a part, or should I say Hungary is a part of the European Union, uh, but they're not on the EU common currency, the euro. Uh, they're still in their local currency, which we think is called the forint. Uh, and so it was about 1,000 forints to $3. Uh, and so you could buy a 10 of what would cost you caviar that would cost you 150 or $200 here in the US for about $25. Uh, P.S. We couldn't bring it home because it has to be refrigerated the whole way. Uh, they're also known for their... Um, foie gras. They produce foie gras in Hungary, and you can get it very inexpensively there if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, and then paprika. Paprika is a big product that you buy in Hungary that they make uh, locally. Uh, they also have some great wines in Hungary, notably a dessert wine called Tokai. Uh, so we did do some shopping in the market. We wanted to pick up my mom a bottle of Tokai because it's one of her favorite dessert wines. But we only had about 25 minutes to explore the market, so we didn't get a lot of shopping done on the morning time. We just kind of browsed around. I grabbed a coffee. Sam ran across the street to a Starbucks actually to get a mug from Budapest. And so after the 25 minutes, it was off to a bus ride of about 45 minutes or so to this Lazar Equestrian Park. I will say this excursion was fun. Wasn't like my favorite excursion that we did. Uh, the Equestrian Park, uh, Hungary is known for horse riding and I would say like almost like circus-like acrobatics with horses, highly trained horses. And so the point of the visit to the Equestrian Park was we got to one, see kind of a petting zoo, although we weren't really allowed to touch any of the animals. So it wasn't petting zoo. It was more just a zoo of small 
Hungarian animals like rabbits and dogs and things like that that were from Hungary. Uh, we then went into a large equestrian center and sat in the stands and watched various kinds of um, Hungarian horse riding. They had a guy that was standing on the back of two horses. It was a five horse chain that he was in and showing us that, you know, they could stand on these like five horses and run around the rinks. They did some arrow shooting from or some archery from horseback. Uh, they did some carriage racing on horseback. It was interesting to see. I don't think it was like amazing or super wow for us, but really interesting to see. I think Nathan probably uh, enjoyed that part of it, although I think he enjoyed seeing the animals a bit more. Um, we were then given a traditional Hungarian lunch, and I will say this was the star of the excursion. It was tons and tons of food. I mean, the amount of food that they were hauling away from the tables and we couldn't even begin to eat it was unbelievable. We had uh, an amazing soup. It was a fish, traditional Hungarian fish stew, lots of pepper in it because that was the the theme of the day in terms of spices. Um, we got to try a new kind of paprika paste uh, that is a specialty in Hungary called Strong Steve. Uh, learned that you can buy it on Amazon, but we ended up picking up some from the market at the end of the day. Very, very spicy. Great to add into all kinds of things. I brought some home and have been adding it into chilies and soups and other kinds of food that we've been eating this week. And it's just, it's delicious dangerous, uh, can be very, very hot if you get the extra hot version. So, you know, go sparingly if you decide to try some, but I think it's delicious. And then we had just a smorgasbord of meats and salads and um, pork knuckle, stuffed chicken, Wiener schnitzel or some kind of schnitzel. It wasn't probably wasn't Wiener schnitzel, but some kind of schnitzel, sausages. I mean, it was it was so much food. Yeah, Sam's reminding me of a duck, uh, just tons of food. So that was really for the Lazar Equestrian Park. I think the lunch was really the star of the show. And actually, the adventure guides prepared us <laughs> for that fact that the lunch was going to be massive. So had a great lunch. Wonderful lunch, uh, plenty of wine uh, flowing throughout the lunch. Uh, so you know, again, alcohol kind of included with the lunch. Uh, we then got back on the bus and we drove back into town. And we had the option of either going right back to the ship, or again, they were going to make a stop in the middle of town at one of the Christmas markets, and we could get off and wander the Christmas markets and wander around town and make our own way back to the ship. On the way back, it was raining pretty good. We got a break in the weather right as we were pulling up to the Christmas markets. So initially we thought we were going to head back to the ship, but then we decided, no, we'll get off because it looks like the weather is breaking. And then we got off and within five minutes it was raining again. And so we did not spend much time in the Christmas market in Budapest. Uh, we instead decided to go back to the central market because there were some things we really wanted to look for to buy as souvenirs. Uh, I wanted to get some of the strong Steve paste that we had had. We wanted to get a bottle of Tokai for my mom, as I mentioned earlier. Um, wanted to get an original Rubik's Cube, which we did. Um, and also Nathan had wanted a kind of a hat thing that he had seen a friend of his have that we went looking for in the market. Um, so we we made our way back to the central market quite a long walk uh, from where they dropped us off over to the central market, but did make it over there, did buy some souvenirs and then walked back along the riverfront. Very cold at this point. It was dark out and very cold, but walked back across the uh, or along the riverfront to the ship. Uh, so we could make it back in time for dinner and some nighttime activities. But so let me hand it over to you to talk about the nighttime activities. And if you had anything to add from our time in Budapest. Well, the only thing I would add from our, from our time in Budapest is that we just didn't have enough time to do a bunch of other stuff we had wanted to do in Budapest. So, for example, I would have loved to go see the shoes, which is a, a Holocaust memorial in Budapest right on the waterfront. But it was kind of the opposite direction from where we were heading back, you know, towards the back towards 
towards the ship. So that was not really something we had time that we could do. Another thing I really wanted to do was they have a pinball museum in Budapest that I think would have been really cool for us to get to visit. Um, Next time we go to Budapest, I would like to visit. And they also have, um, I think, the single largest uh, synagogue or one of the single largest synagogues in the world in the Jewish quarter. So I would have liked to go in there as well. We did pass by there, so we were able to see it. But um, it's apparently uh, a museum they have to pay for entry to. So um, we really needed some time uh, to be able to explore if we were going to go do that as well. So, you know, just really some things I would have loved to do in Budapest that we didn't get to do. But then when we did get back to the ship, as Brian mentioned, uh, there was, uh, it was actually before dinner, was a farewell cocktail in the lounge where we got to really like officially say goodbye to um, our adventure guides, take a picture with them. And the crew all came out for, uh, to be introduced. The officers had been introduced at the beginning of the sand but this time all of the crew members came out and were introduced and it was kind of amazing to see how few crew there actually were. For example, I think in terms of uh, dining room servers for the entire ship, I think there were only like six of them for the entire ship. For uh, stateroom attendants, again, for the entire ship, I believe there were only like four or five. Uh, There were only, you know, three uh, bartenders slash servers on the whole ship. There were only, for officers on board, I believe there were only like three senior officers and then like three officers below them. So like six six maritime crew basically for the entire ship. So that was just pretty amazing. So it was a really nice opportunity to be able to kind of, you know, clap for them and thank them for, you know, this wonderful cruise, to thank our adventure guides for this wonderful cruise. And then, of course, we had our farewell dinner. Um, which was not any different than other dinners. It was, but it was a nice, you know, of course, seated dinner in the dining room. And then following dinner, we had a farewell surprise in the lounge. Now, for those of you who haven't been on an Adventures by Disney tour, um, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, fast forward through this part. But if you've been on one before or you don't mind being uh, spoiled, basically that means you're going to have a slideshow at the end of all Adventure by Disney Adventures. Yeah, and I don't think this is actually too much of a spoiler, Sam, because we've talked about it with other ABDs, but keep going, yeah. So anyway, we actually got two slideshows. One is one that's sanctioned by Adventures by Disney, and one is one that the Adventure Guides kind of do on their own. And I say that because the Adventure Guides actually share the sanctioned one with us. As Brian mentioned, they can airdrop it to people on board, which is what they did after. But the other slideshow, they don't airdrop because it's technically not one sanctioned by the company. And the one that's not sanctioned by the company is a slideshow of Minnie's adventures on the Adventures by Disney uh, trip. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, there was a day that we got to take Minnie with us wherever we went and we were tasked with taking pictures of her at different locations. Well, at, we shared all those photos with the adventure guides. And at the end of the cruise, they, they put together essentially a PowerPoint slideshow that showed us what Minnie had been up to across the entire week on the Amaviola and in of all of our locations. Uh, as one of the guides told me on the, on the down low, um, not all of the guests who had Minnie did as good of a job as we did in taking pictures of her everywhere. So even in our, the slideshow, there are pictures we took of Minnie on our day with her that were shown on different days of the cruise, even though they were clearly taken by us. Um, but the second slideshow, as I mentioned, is the sanctioned one, and that is a slideshow basically everyone. So the adventure guides, as Brian mentioned, are taking pictures of us and all the other guests throughout the cruise, as well as themselves, as well as the locations that we're going. 
And they put together this wonderful slideshow that really captured as many people as possible in as many different locations as possible, enjoying themselves throughout the the week-long adventure. Um, they shared this uh, slideshow with us, and then they gave us the website uh, for which within 48 hours, they would have uploaded um, pictures that they had taken on their phone. It ended up being a little bit longer than 48 hours. I think it ended up being like three or four days, but basically all of the pictures that they took are available to us on a website. Yeah. It ended up being more like a week and a half, but yes, um, I checked every day and it took quite a long time. I, I don't know if that's the adventure guides or it just takes a while for Disney to actually, you know, sync everything up, but got a ton of photos. I still have to go through. I'm going to try to go through and identify the photos of just us and put them in a separate folder because they give you kind of all the photos that they've taken of everyone, which in some ways is, you know, nice. In other ways, I'm well, it's a little creepy, I think, to have all these pictures of other people people uh, that, you know, some of whom we know and some of whom we don't. But anyway, so it was a fabulous way to wrap up the cruise, which leads us into the debarkation. Now, debarkation off of a river cruise, very, very different than an ocean cruise in some ways. Um, you still pack up your luggage and you still set it outside your room, but you don't set it outside your room necessarily the night before. In fact, they don't want your luggage in the hallway any more than two hours before your actual sort of departure time off the ship. Uh, the way that they assign the departure times, the cruise manager had a big board up at his desk that clearly he reuses from cruise to cruise with different colored luggage tags and then uh, basically names, cabin numbers and names that were assigned to different debarkation times and buses to the airport or local hotels or taxi cabs and that sort of thing um, based on when they needed to get off the ship and when their flights were. So folks started actually debarking the ship at 3.30 in the morning in Budapest uh, the following day. For 6 a.m. flights that we're trying to make, uh, basically Budapest, you can't fly direct anywhere in the U.S., so you were having to connect through Budapest into places like Paris or Amsterdam or London. And so they were trying to catch those flights that would connect to U.S. flights at 6 a.m. So they were off the ship by 3.30, which means they were setting their luggage out by like 1.30 in the morning. Uh, they did provide breakfast for everyone, which was impressive. Um, they didn't do seated breakfast for everyone, but they did have breakfast in the lounge and express breakfast for everyone starting at like 3 o'clock in the morning. So people could get something, some coffee and something in their stomach on the way to the airport, which I thought was really Really impressive for such a small crew to pull off. Uh, we had a flight to London where we were laying over for the night to then fly onward to LA and Honolulu. So we did not have to debark uh, as early as others. Thank God. Uh, we ended up uh, leaving the ship. I think it was around nine o'clock in the morning, which was completely reasonable. Uh, Budapest airport, very, very small. So actually we showed up and had to wait for the American Airlines or the British Airways counter to open up. Uh, and then we're through security and into an airport lounge in probably 10 or 15 minutes. So a uh, very small airport, uh, which was very nice, a uh, very quick trip to the airport. It was only like 20, 25 minutes from uh, the ship to the airport. They haul your all of your luggage off the ship because the ship is down low uh, against the river and you have to walk up an embankment stairs to get to the bus. They actually have some conveyor belts that haul it up uh, the stairs and then they drag it all over to the bus and you identify their luggage, the, your luggage, they load it up in the bus for you. So it's, it's very quick and easy. Basically, we had breakfast, scanned off and we're on the bus in about five minutes to head to the airport. So very, very efficient, which is not surprising given the, the size of the ship. So that wraps up the river cruise component. I think I want to wrap up the show though uh, with a couple things. One is um, I realized as I was listening to the prior parts of the show that we did, uh, we didn't really discuss what was included and what wasn't in the river cruise. And I want to just be very clear around what was and what wasn't included. So our river cruise fare did not include our airfare. There are ways for you to purchase your airfare through Adventures by Disney. We bought separately, um, but the cruise did not include that. 
What the cruise fare did include was obviously sort of our cabin, uh, our transfer uh, from the Munich airport uh, to our hotel, transfer from the hotel to the ship and transfer from the ship to the Budapest airport. It included all the tours that we've talked about. None of those tours cost anything extra. There's no fee for shore excursions beyond what you may spend incidental on the excursion itself. So if you were picking an Adventures by Disney shore excursion that was offered morning, noon or night, that was all covered, including the transportation, any admission into these places like Schoenburn Palace had a ticket price. The marionette show had a ticket price. We never paid for anything when we were on the excursion itself. Uh, Any food on the excursion was also provided by Adventures by Disney. Uh, There were a couple of times where there was lunch on your own where Adventures by Disney actually provided people with euros to, to, to get their lunch. I would say that was not necessarily the norm. The few times that we got lunch on our own or chose to sort of, you know, stay past the excursion and go get lunch, uh, we had to pay for that out of pocket. So obviously any food in the cities, not included, you know, buying souvenirs at the Christmas markets, glue wine, all that sort of stuff. It was not included. Food on board the ship was included. Uh, I know earlier in the show, we mentioned that it was a little difficult finding snacks in between meals outside of the tea time that they had. But we did notice on the last day, they had a tapas menu out. And so if you were in the lounge in between normal meal times and outside of like the tea time, you could order tapas items from the menu. I do believe those were an extra charge. I don't believe that that food was included. Drinks during the sip and sale were all included, but drinks outside of the sip and sale like soda uh, or any sort of alcoholic beverages from the bar on board were not included. Iced tea, coffee, water was always available in the lounge free of charge. But if you wanted a alcoholic beverage or a soda or something like that, you'd have to pay for it uh, outside of sip and sale. Uh, I should say beverages at lunches and dinners on the ship. And even most of the lunches and dinners, I believe, off the ship were all included. Uh, at the wine house when we went, the wine was all in- included. At all the lunches, we usually got, I think, two alcoholic beverages per adult. Uh, so when we went to the beer hall and had the buffet lunch in outside of Salzburg, could have had two beers included. Uh, you know, wine was included at the lunch at the equestrian park, all of that sort of stuff. So all that's included. Tips are also all fully included, including for the adventure guides. There's no tipping of the adventure guides. We didn't see anyone tipping them. We asked our travel agent about it and she said no tipping of the adventure guides was necessary. Uh, I hope that was right. Um, But the crew tips were all included. So there's no additional tipping that we saw going on. So really what you're responsible for is your airfare getting there. Uh, Any meals that you want to have that aren't offered on board the ship or through an excursion, souvenirs, uh, any tours that you want to do that aren't the tours that are being offered, sort of those kinds of things. So it's a it's a fairly all-inclusive vacation. I should say drinks on the ship were not out of line. I had a couple of sodas and bought a couple of mixed drinks. I mean, it was, you know, a rounding error on the cost of the overall vacation, the amount that we spent on beverages on board. So I, I don't think it was uh, significant. One thing I just want to remind people when Brian's referring to sip and sail, that is one hour prior to dinner. So it's that hour before dinner. That's when drinks were basically all included. Except on the last night, it was two hours. They were gracious and gave us two hours of drinks. So um, normally you're going to get about one drink during that period of time, given the number of people they had in the lounge and the number of servers they had available to actually serve the drinks. So it's really a pre-dinner cocktail uh, hour is what I would call it. So lots of stuff included. This vacation, I want to be clear, not inexpensive per person. Adventures by Disney, you're going to pay a premium on top of a river cruise. Uh, I'm not going to give the exact figure here that we spent, but let's just say it was north of 25 
35 and south of $30,000 uh, on the river cruise experience itself uh, outside of the airfare to get us there and back. So it is not an inexpensive vacation. Um, I, I did before we get into sort of talking about pros and cons and value and final impressions of the river cruise. I did want to say one more thing about the river cruise. This was a Christmas markets river cruise. <laughs> and um, after Sam and I got home, it sort of struck me. Uh, and as we were talking, like none of the excursions except for really one and maybe part of another uh, and some free time, like the Christmas markets aspect of this was not kind of adventures by Disney leading you to Christmas markets and giving you history and touring you through them and that sort of thing. You were doing really city tours or historical tours or things like that, and then exploring the Christmas markets on your own. Now, we got ample time to do that. We saw lots of Christmas markets, but I think I did have an impression going into this cruise that it would be a lot of pulling up to a city, getting off the boat, exploring the local city's Christmas markets, and getting back on the boat. And that's not what this was. This was a lot of walking. It was a lot of, you know, half-day tours uh, sandwiched around lunch uh, and or all-day tours that had you off the boat the whole time. Lots of walking. Nathan was a total trooper for the amount of walking and touring we did on the sailing. It is a lot of walking. Uh, and the Christmas markets were kind of an added activity on top of all the other touring. I think I really would have liked to have seen a bit more of a guided understanding discussion set of tours aimed at the Christmas markets because that's what we wanted to see. For those of you out there who don't know, Christmas markets in continental Europe are very, very big thing. Um, they're all over the major cities. It's not usually like one market. It's like tons of markets uh, around the different cities. And, you know, the thing you do is you go to the stalls and you shop for little curios and gifts to give to your friends and family. There's always a bunch of glue wine stands that serve both glue wine and alcoholic punches and other alcoholic, hot alcoholic beverages, usually some beer out there. But, you, you know, you get those, you collect the mugs from the market. So we have like, a, it's a popular souvenir at Christmas time or the mugs from the various Christmas markets. So we have some really cute mugs that we collected and brought home with us from the Christmas markets. I think at the end of the day, we saw plenty of Christmas markets, but I would have liked to have understood the history of them a little bit more. The tour that we did into the Treetops Christmas Market, I still don't know why that market exists. And it's a very unique market, and I'd love to know kind of the history of it. And we had adventure guides with us there, so I was unclear why we didn't sort of spend some time there doing that. I think I said that earlier in the show. So if you have an expectation that these things, these ships are going to stop, you're going to get off in the city that you're docked in and see the Christmas markets. That's not really what's happening. Outside of Vienna and Budapest, really we were docked someplace and then being bused to a major city that might be an hour, two hours, two and a half hours away and being given some time in addition to the other touring to see the Christmas markets. So if you're thinking about doing this and you're really focused on those Christmas markets, you might think about, you know, is Adventures by Disney kind of the right way to do it? Which I think leads into this conversation around, Sam, I've been doing a lot of talking here. What did you think about this cruise and the value of it and some of the pros and cons of it and maybe who it's for. So I want to talk about this in terms of who this river cruise is for and maybe who it's not for. Um, I think that's probably the easiest way to talk about, you know, sort of value and, and worth and that sort of thing. So first I want to say this is for adults without children or families with older children. I believe there's a minimum age of five, but actually a recommended age of eight for children. I would say, but 
with the caveat for both of those groups, you need to be a traveler who wants everything taken care of for you. Meaning you don't have to be very adventurous. You do have to be willing to walk a lot, but you don't have to be very adventurous uh, in your food. You don't have to be very adventurous in your type of touring. And everything is essentially uh, planned for you, soup to nuts, right? You do not have to plan anything on your own except maybe your flight to the city and your flight home and maybe a night at the hotel. But you can even do all of that through Adventures by Disney. So a lot of this you can basically outsource everything from plan. So that brings me to who this is not for. This is not for the super adventurous traveler who wants to go out on their own and find all of the off the beaten path nooks and crannies and the the traveler who likes to plan everything themselves, um, because this is not that. Every day you had, I mean, you could go out on your own, but then why would you? Because you paid for essentially for these amazing curated excursions that, that Adventures by Disney has put together for you. So I'd say Ryan and I are are kind of in between these two groups. I don't I wouldn't say we're super adventurous travelers, but we're also we don't need everything sort of planned out for us. And we would have, I think, liked in several of these places to be able to do some things that were a little bit more off the beaten path and have some experiences that were maybe not so pre-planned and have a little bit more free time. So while we had a wonderful time and this was completely uh, worthwhile, I would say from the sense that like we didn't have to do any planning, we basically showed up and everything was planned for us. There, I, I think there would have been a more economical way to do this for us as a family. Well, certainly there would have been a more economical way to do this as a family. And then we might have been able to do some experiences on our own fairly easily with only a little bit of legwork. So that being said, to me, this was a wonderful vacation because I didn't have to plan anything and because everything was curated and because all these excursions were really fantastic. Um, And I think for people who are a little bit hesitant to travel out on their own, this would be a great way to travel. And it's also for people who don't like schlepping their luggage from place to place. So I'm going to take a slightly different tack here. I, I have gone back and forth with this in my own mind. Like, would I do this kind of trip again? I, I want to say, I think there's actually a kind of another group of people or a slightly different way to describe the group of people I think this is for. I think it's this particular trip was also for people who wanted to try river cruising, but have a small child, right? Look, most of the time you go on a river cruise, it's going to be two people per stateroom. I think we mentioned that in the show. So a family of three or four is not going to be able to do a river cruise without buying two rooms, which is very expensive. It can be $5,000 a person just to get on the ship. I do think that there is, for the river cruising aspect of this, if you've been wanting to try river cruising, you're not sure it's for you and you have a kid, uh, the nice added benefit was things like, you know, the adventure guides taking the kids away for dinner three nights, the adventure guides taking the kids over to a children's museum for a portion uh, of a tour. You know, some of the tours I think were aimed at kind of some of the family things like the marionette show, or, you know, if you're asking a venture guide for a restaurant recommendation, they, they know you have a kid in front of you. So they're not going to send you someplace that's not going to be friendly to that. And, you know, lots of the activities were also just family activities in these places. You're you know, probably not going to go on a Jack the Ripper tour in London with Adventures by Disney. Maybe you will. I don't know. But it's these family-friendly activities. So I think there was something to, one, being able to get on a river cruise with only one room, uh, two, have the adventure guides there to help us. Uh, loved the local adventure guides. I, I want to pause and just say, we, I don't think we've given enough sort of praise to the adventure guides that we had. So Danny, who was one of our adventure guides, was fantastic with Nathan. He's worked with autistic kids in the past. And so 
was always like talking to Nathan and trying to get Nathan to sing with him and act with him and do just all kinds of fun things. Jillian was our primary kind of lead adventure guide. She was really good at keeping everything organized and just really, really fabulous. Uh, Shannon was a fantastic adventure guide that we had and we, we didn't spend as much time with her, but went on some of the tours with her and she was also great. I mean, these adventure guides are on long bus rides with you, trying to keep you entertained and give you information. And we had two local adventure guides, uh, George, who was from Hungary and Joshua, who lived in the Vienna area. And so, you know, you go to ask Joshua for a lunch recommendation. He's the one who told us about Lugak, right? He prepared a sheet of recommendations because it's a city he lives in. Uh, same thing, George, you know, I had some questions about Hungary and George you could answer them because he, he, he's been there. He lives there. He knows uh, the city. And so uh, the adventure guides were really kind of what I think you're paying for, both to help with the family aspect of it, the kids, and also give you those great local recommendations. Not to say that, you know, someone like the ship manager on board, John, you know, wouldn't also have great recommendations as he's in and out of these cities every day. But those adventure guides are there to kind of give you that added level, uh, added touch. Now, all that said, Sam is right. Like, I think the best value that you get out of Adventures by Disney is if you're going someplace where you're just not comfortable planning the vacation on your own. I'd argue a river cruise might have been that for us, uh, you know, before we took this one. Now I'd feel a little bit more comfortable kind of understanding what it is and maybe planning one on my own. But if I'm going to go to Egypt, if I'm going to go to China, if I'm going to go really anywhere in Asia, India, you know, these, um, what I'd say, non-English speaking countries uh, that have very different um, local customs. Uh, I don't know where the best hotels to stay or the best areas of town are because I've never been before. I think there's a huge amount of value in Adventures by Disney. For me, I think the lowest value that Adventures by Disney have would be like, you know, if I'm going to London, I've been to London a ton. I don't need Adventures by Disney to visit London. Um, I don't need Adventures by Disney to find a dude ranch in, you know, Montana for me. I can find, you know, browse websites and do my own research to do that. I think the Adventures by Disney West Coast kind of, you know, adventure that they do in and around Disneyland and San Francisco. That's amazing for the backstage aspects of it. Some of the European adventures by Disney, I think, are also going to be pretty amazing for some of the really special things you can do, like the one that goes to Italy. You get to go into the Sistine Chapel and privately and lay down and you can talk in the Sistine Chapel, which if anyone out there has visited the Sistine Chapel knows, is a huge no-no when it's open to the general public. So like, I think that there are tours and um, places where people might want to go that they're not comfortable with. Then I think there's a huge value, especially if you're a family with a, with a kid and you want to make sure that everyone's going to have a great time. So do I think it's worth it? Um, yeah, I, I, I do think we got the value out of this. Um, was it exactly what I expected? No. Were there some places where I thought Adventures by Disney could have potentially done a little bit better in relation to what I paid? Yes. Um, would I do this particular river cruise again? Yes, but I may not do it with Adventures by Disney next time now that I know what it is. But I would absolutely be thinking about using Adventures by Disney if we were going to go on an African safari or to Egypt or to China. And I think we're already sort of thinking through like, what's the land-based ABD that we want to do in a few years? I don't think for us, this is something that we met families on this cruise who had gone with Adventures by Disney like 15 times. And I'll tell you, Disney Cruise Line seems to be the absolute gateway 
gateway into getting people into adventures by Disney. So uh, lots of experienced Disney cruisers on this ABD who had then started down the path with ABD and done it many, many, many times. I don't think that's us. I don't think that we're going to do 15 of these in our lifetime. I think we're probably likely to do, you know, maybe five or six of them over time. But I would use them to go to some far-flung places and I'm probably not going to plan on my own just because I just don't have the time, patience, or understanding of where I'm headed to really make that a reality. So that's where I come down on it. Thought it was a fabulous vacation. Sam, I, I want to ask you, would you do it again? Would you do this again knowing what you know? Oh, a ha- absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. I would do this river cruise again. Like if I had to do a redo and you asked me like rewind time, absolutely would do this again. But I also would do other river cruises with ABD. But I think more likely, as you mentioned, I would more likely do a land-based trip with ABD in some place that is more, well, someplace particularly non-English speaking and uh, more exotic where I'm where we might not feel as comfortable doing the planning. Uh, last thing I'm going to say as we wrap up is we did ask Nathan shortly after the river cruise how it rated for him. And since he can't join us, since he's still recovering, I just wanted to share, he rated it a seven and a half out of 10 after some consideration. And he said that his favorite parts of it were definitely the salt mine tour, which I know we talked about earlier in the show and loved uh, making the apricot jam. Uh, he loved doing that. He loved the rock he got to bring home from below the salt mines. Uh, he loved the ice skating uh, that he got to do on the trip. Now, beyond that, I think he saw it as a lot of walking, but I do want to compliment our son. He was an absolute trooper throughout and... Uh, I'm so glad that we then took him to Hawaii so he could get some rest. Uh, But I will say for all of you out there, don't ever fly from Europe to Hawaii. That's my last thing I'm going to say. It was awful. I'm glad we went because we're meeting up with some dear friends of ours in Hawaii to spend the week uh, for the the Christmas time. Uh, So glad we did it, but probably we'll never, ever, ever do that again. So with that, we will wrap it up here and just say thank you out there for listening. I know this is a long episode, but a lot of you wanted to hear our full thoughts on the River Cruise. So there they are. Thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. See you real soon. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the 
Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Thank you.